Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Maria Luis Carra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? It's you, girl. You already know the drill. Full disclosure at the top of the episode, if I sound weird... <laughs> It's because I'm wearing this like mask and I look ridiculous. I'm so glad and thankful that I don't record my podcast <laughs> because I look fucking ugly right now. Well, uh, mm, debatable. Well, it's the type of like face mask that it's not even for the face. It's for like your double chin. <laughs> so it's like, it, I don't know. It's making me talk fucking weird. And again, and yes, my double chin. You heard that right. Even me, the beautiful, the talented, the funny. I have a double chin. And what about it? And what about it? <laughs> but I might go out later today, uh, crossing my fingers that I do. So I'm just like, I'm prepping my face. I'm, I'm prepping to get beautiful or whatever. But yeah, Eurocentric beauty standards win once again. I'm so sorry. I am so fucking sorry. Does this mask work? Uh, to eliminate the double chin probably not probably not not nah <laughs> but i'm still gonna wear it fucked up fam like i'm still gonna wear it because i don't want to do like an actual procedure to remove my double chin because then then the eurocentric beauty standards would win once again and they would win forever because i had to alternate my face in able in order to like it and i like my face i do It's just that from certain, some people don't know my angle. Some people be taking pictures from down below and I'm like, honey, honey, no. <laughs> I have body dysmorphia as it is and you want to show me that angle. You're telling me that I look like that from where you're standing. How do you even like me? How do you even fucking like me? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I... I went off on a tangent and I just started the episode, but again, welcome. Um, let me give you some personal updates. So I had dinner with Terry. Shout out to Terry um, at Zan. So the Zan that I usually go to is in Hillcrest, but Terry gave me the very, very bad news that it says that it was closed, like permanently closed. And I was like, wait, what? Like what? Um, and yeah, but, but... Don't worry, fucked up fam. My favorite Korean uh, food restaurant, they have a location in Convoy. So we went to the Convoy one. We had Korean fried chicken. It was so good. It was so fucking good. And we talked a lot about a lot of things. A lot of things. Why go to therapy when you could just go grab Korean fried chicken and drink soju with a friend? Like, Why? Or, or you could just have a podcast like me. So, like, d double whammy. I'm, like, cured. E e depression cured. Um, anxiety cured. Um, that bitchery? Oh, that can't be cured. <laughs> that was so stupid. And I sound and I feel so stupid right now because of the stupid fucking mask. <laughs> oh, my God. If people that, that I know are listening, and obviously... There are people that I know listening because probably only people that I know listen to this podcast. Um, if you're someone that I don't personally know in person and you listen to this podcast, let me know. 
prove me wrong be like send me a little dm and be like hey i don't know you in real life but i listen to the podcast you don't know how happy that would make me and <laughs> the first thing that i would respond is like damn why do you hate yourself <laughs> no the first thing that i would uh tell you once i get that dm is like and you like listening to it? You like listening me to me rant about things that have nothing to do with TV shows for like 20 minutes before we get into the TV show portion? Um, That would make me so happy. Also, that would boost my self-esteem really, really high. Maybe don't tell me. Maybe keep it a secret. Just kidding. No, do tell me. Do tell me. Send me that DM. Send me that. Slide in my DMs. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, but some of the conversation points that we talked about uh, that I feel like we should mention is, uh, first of all, BMI is a scam. And this came, this conversation came up because I told Terry that last time I went to the doctor, they basically told me that I was a fat bitch. Well, they didn't say bitch, but they called me fat. They were like, mm, mm, you've gained like 20 pounds in like the last tw- tw- 20 years, in the last two years. Like, uh, do you want to talk about that? Like, do you want me to recommend you to a nutritionist? And I'm like, honestly, honestly, no. But I do, I do have to uh, mention that the, that the doctor or the physician that told me that was not my normal physician because my normal physician has been like, hey, like, you want to talk about your weight? and Or like, are you concerned about your... No, that's the question. They're like, are you concerned about your weight? And I just tell them no. And then they're like, okay, fine. Let's move on to the next thing. But this new physician, and she was younger, and I feel like she had just graduated from medical school or something. She gave me the full rundown. She's like, you got to exercise and, and you got to eat healthy. Do you want to speak to a nutritionist? Blah, 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 blah. And look, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes, I did gain a lot of weight in the past two years. We were going through a fucking pandemic. Everyone was dying. We couldn't go out. What the fuck was I supposed to do? Fucked up, fam. What the fuck was I supposed to do? Not eat? (laughs) I couldn't go. Do you know how skinny I was before the pandemic? I looked at pictures of how skinny I fucking was, and I thought I was fat. Yes, uh, brief silence so that could land. So you can understand how I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm angry. I thought I was fat, fucked up, fam. And I'm looking at pictures of myself back then, and I was like, holy fucking shit, who lied to me? Why was the mirror lying to me? Why was my brain lying to me? Is that a mental illness? (laughs) What the (laughs) But we love a self-aware queen. We love a self-aware queen, aka me, aka the baddest, aka the funniest, aka everything, whatever. I don't know where I was going with this. I really don't fucking know. Okay, yeah, BMI, a scam. Uh, Terry let me know why it is a scam. And I think she mentioned that the creator was basically like a racist, like like a white supremacist. No, she didn't say that. She said, <sighs> I'm trying to remember what Terry said. Uh, I could probably look it up, but honestly, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Terry. I'm so sorry. But yeah, BMI is a scam. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Also, we also talked about, also, also, we talked about love. Most specifically, Terry has been trying to get me to read the book All About Love uh, by Bell Hooks. Uh, they told me that this book change their life and their perspective on love and i i don't know if i'm mentally prepared like i i am gonna read it i am gonna read it i feel like terry just needs to like sit me down 
take off, take out all my electronics and be like, read, bitch. <laughs> Next time I go over, Terry, just lock me in like one of your rooms. And just give me the, the, the book and I'll read it. <laughs> no, no, I am going to read it because I want to understand love better. And the fact that love isn't just romantic. Love is like with friendships, with family, with with things, with pets, like just love. The concept of love is so interesting to me, but it's so hard to unpack and understand. And I feel that if I get to understand, then maybe I'll be better at providing love, giving love to people. And oh, but most importantly, not only giving, but receiving love and for it not to be so awkward or whatever i think i'm going on a rant but yeah we talked about love we talked about uh, libra and taurus being ruled by venus <laughs> we had a really deep conversation um we talked about trauma uh, <laughs> yeah it was a really really good time shout out to terry um i had an amazing time and we ate yummy yummy korean fried chicken and we drank yummy yummy soju 10 out of 10. Zan, Z-Z-A-N, a convoy, chef's fucking kiss. Also, they sent us, like, a free appetizer. So, like, does the cocinero want to marry me? Yeah. Speaking of love, <laughs> does the cook love me? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Why am I like this? Um, so, yesterday, I went to a Halloween party. Shout out to Vanessa for inviting me. It was so much fun going to parties with like theater people or like creative people so much fun because they know how to throw a good fucking party they have food they had drinks well i i i I couldn't drink a lot but i was just like i had a really good time had some wine had some pizza the uh fucking appetizers were halloween spooky themed like Vanessa put so much thought into the appetizers there was a karaoke room like and it was like a small not like a lot of people were there and i forced um my friend mabel to go because she had she had uh she had lost her id so she couldn't drive to the party and i'm like don't worry girl i got you i pulled up i picked her up we had a really good time and during that party towards the end well it was something that i had already been thinking about uh and i think i mentioned it in the podcast a couple of episodes ago maybe like Last, uh, I think last time I hung out with um, Terry and Vicky at their place when we had a dinner party, we, I brought up, or like not with them, but like when I did the recap during the podcast, I don't know why I'm confusing y'all. I, you, y'all don't know when this happened. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I'm tired. It's Sunday. <laughs> uh, recording for the podcast on Sunday has become my routine because I've been hella fucking busy. Ain't nobody got time to record any other day. Um the concept of vengeance in the united states and i tweeted about this the concept of vengeance in the united states is so stigmatized and villainized but it is widely accepted and encouraged in other cultures and i want to understand why is that right and um, me mabel and vanessa had a conversation about that and they basically like explained it to me because uh, of the roots of the United States that are so intertwined with religion and puritanical views, whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
we expect for God, or like not we, but like we as a collective, we as the United States, we expect God to take care of things. So if someone wrongs you, you're just like, damn, God's got, God, the homie God, <laughs> the motherfucking homie God is going to have my motherfucking back. Or, or if you, you it, it's the same thing. You're like karma, karma's real and karma's going to get you. But in reality, there are horrible people in this life who are doing horrible things and neither God nor karma or nor anything else that you believed in has gotten to them. And they'll continue to live this like beautiful, perfect, blah, 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 perfect in quotations, obviously, existence without ever getting what they really deserve. And by what they deserve, I mean the vengeance that they deserve for what the horrible things that they did. I don't know if I'm being confusing or not. I don't know if y'all are understanding this, but the concept of vengeance, because I, I, the last time I talked about it was like in Korean films, a lot of Korean films, a lot of Korean media talks, uh, has the concept of vengeance really, really like deeply rooted in everything. Uh, the movie Old Boy, uh, Squid Game, uh, other, um, that one movie, what the fuck, what the fuck was it called? I talked about it. It was really, really good. I don't know what it was. I, I don't remember what it was. But basically, all the Korean media that I have consumed has a vengeance in it. And yeah, I think I just think it's super, super fucking interesting. And since Mabel, Vanessa, and I are theater people, we're like, damn, we should do a show with the theme of vengeance and write pieces specifically uh, around that theme. And I was like, that would be fucking amazing and we also want to start like a, a list of movies that deal with vengeance uh, Mabel recommended me one and it's called mother uh, but it's like an indian uh movie and i remember i don't remember the name of the movie but i know it's a mexican film and basically uh trigger warning skip ahead uh sexual assault like 30 seconds so basically um a, a teenage girl gets raped right and her dad finds out about it and what the dad does is that he gets vengeance. He kids he kidna he kidnaps the boy that raped his daughter, literally kidnaps him, takes him out on a boat in the middle of the fucking ocean, ties him up, and just drops him in the ocean. And literally just paddles back to shore. As calm as a fucking um as calm as if he had just done something normal, right? Um and that, that is fascinating to me because I feel that every single person is capable of murder or of killing someone if they're driven to that point. And when you have children and you are a good parent and you want to protect your children, if something happens to your child, you are capable of murder. I think the conversation also came up because I consume, obviously, a lot of true crime media. Or like true crime podcast and i think uh this concept of like oh um forgiving the person that hurt your loved one you're right it's either you forgive them blah 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 you should forgive them to let go of all that anger and one of the podcast um hosts that i listen to they're like not not necessarily just because someone else forgave them doesn't mean you have to forgive them too it's totally normal to hate someone that did something horrible to you or your family it's normal 
wanting and seeking vengeance is a normal emotion. Like, but we've been taught that it isn't and that our minds shouldn't go there. So in conclusion, United States, bad. Vengeance, good. <laughs> Why did I go in such a fucking huge tangent, fucked up fam? Let's just move on to our pop culture segment. The Padres won versus the Dodgers. I don't care about baseball, but I felt like I should mention it here. San Diego is going to be popping, popping. I don't know why I'm singing, but yeah, I guess that's like a big deal or something. <laughs> I was hanging out with a guy the other day and he's like, oh, did you catch the game? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like the Padres versus Dodgers game. And I'm like, I could literally give less. I could give literally give two fucks about baseball. I could give literally give two fucks about professional sports. Unless like a baseball player is trying to date me, baby, baby boy. <laughs> baby boy, let me pull up real quick. You want some lonchecito? Do you want me to bring you orange slices to you and your teammates? Uh, I'm loving the crew, like the weekend said. <laughs> I don't know. Why am I like this fucked up fam? <sighs> My mom raised me better. Nah, she raised me to be a bad bitch and to get shit done. I'm so embarrassed. I hope no one from work listens to this. Well, obviously, Joanne listens to it. Shout out to Joe. Shout out to Joanne, a.k.a. Chaos, a.k.a. Lil Cycle. She a real one. But hopefully no one else. No, well, Kelly listens to it. But Kelly's my friend. Hi, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully no one but Joanne and Kelly listen to my podcast. If I work with you and you listen to my podcast, please don't let me know. Please pretend that I don't have a podcast. Please support me silently because then I would die of embarrassment. I would literally just die right here and right now. Thank you. Uh, also, so <laughs> I just like I was like, what's happening in pop culture? So I checked my my trending feed on Twitter and it's like Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber posted a picture together. And I'm like, oh, my God, that picture probably ended world hunger, created peace in the Middle East um, ended the war in Ukraine and Russia. Like. Obviously, I'm joking. Obviously, I'm fucking joking, but <laughs> that's what's trending right now after, yeah, whatever. I guess I'm happy that they're they're putting a, a stop to rumors of, like, Selena Gomez hating Hailey Bieber for stealing just, Justin Bieber. I was like, wait, that's his name, right? <laughs> what's Hailey Bieber's actual last name, like, her maiden name? Speaking of maiden name, uh, if I ever get married, I'm not changing my last name. Uh, saying it here now for everyone to know. Uh, recommendation corner, uh, TV shows. Almost cut up with Abbott Elementary. I think I need like two more episodes and I'm cut up with this current season. So season two. I watched the first episode of Veep and I am very, very intrigued. Uh, another thing that I wanted to touch upon really quickly. So from... So the last episode of Handmaid's Tale, I don't remember which episode it was, but I quickly, quickly, because I'm already at 19 fucking minutes. Why am I like this? I wanted to touch upon, and I'm going to do another trigger warning, sexual assault again, um, skip in like a minute or so. Um, so in, in the movie that I recommended last episode, The Luckiest Girl Alive, there is a very, 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 very graphic rape scene. 
very graphic rape scene. And in comparison, in Handmaid's Tale, something happens where, I mean, whatever, I'm going to do a spoiler. I'm sorry. If you haven't cut up, we'll stop right now and go catch up. But the, what's her name? What's her name? McKenna Grace, who plays Baby Theo in The Haunting of Hill House. She plays, what's her name? I tweeted about this. Hold on. Give me one fucking second. Give me one second. Give me one second. Where is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So McKenna Grace plays Esther, right? She just woke up from a coma, and the doctors tell tell Aunt Lydia that McKenna Grace or Esther is pregnant. How is she pregnant? She hasn't been posted in anybody's house, but she did have some, like, Aunt Lydia left her alone with one of the commanders, and then we find out that when she left her alone, she got raped by that commander. The utter shock and disgust that I felt was way, was super more, like, I'm trying to think how I could explain this. Uh, media creators, y'all don't need, you do not need to show a graphic rape scene to get the emotions across. That's what I'm trying to say. In The Handmaid's Tale, we never see it. But once we find out what happened, holy fucking shit. I was destroyed. Destroyed. And I never even had to see what happened. So creators, do better. Put trigger warnings in your shit. And yeah, that that's, that's what I have to say in, in the matter. Moving on, so the book, I finally got the book of the, the name of the book that I was reading, it's called The Best of Friends, it was pretty good, it's by Lucinda Berry, I'll give it, I kind of want it more, I want it more, I mean, I love Lucinda Berry, but I'll give it like a 7 out of 10, and right now I'm reading one about Appetite for Innocence, also by Lucinda Berry, and it's basically about this one, this man that kidnaps virgins for, you know, he has an appetite for innocence, as the book title says, and I just started it, but it's really interesting because it, it gives like um, it keeps going like back and forth between when he first captures them to when they're they finally escape and they're being like interviewed by the police. So um, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to finding out about this uh, music. I started listening to Tokisha, Tokisha, Tokisha. If you don't know, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you know, don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I've been talking for so long. Why can't I just get started? And I've also been listening to some Lana, some Lana Del Rey. Look, Lana Del Rey raised me. And then, like, the contrast of Tokicha's music and Lana Del Rey, I'm kind of, like, embodying both dark and light feminine energy. And I kind of love that. I kind of love how powerful I feel right now. I don't know why I said that. It's fine, but I do feel powerful, and I hope you do too. But you know, enough of this bullshit. If you stay stuck, stuck around and listen to all of this, thank you very much. You're doing God's gift to fucking Earth. Yes, you are. Episode four of American Horror Story Murder House is called Halloween Part One. 
the episode opens up with a man prepping for Halloween, and it's one of the old uh, mem- owners of Murder House, who is actually played by Silas from Heroes. Shout out to Heroes. Um, and so Silas, or like the character that's, that played Silas, is, you know, I'm going to call him brunette and his husband i'm gonna call him blonde or blondie okay that's how i'm gonna distinguish them because i still don't know their names at this point so the his husband blondie tells him that he will be home around 4 p.m and you can you can sense that there's some tension between them so a brunette man uh, tells his husband that he needs his help carving the pumpkins but his husband's like oh i'm gonna hit the gym and uh brunette just tells him to wear a condom and to pick up some apples for him. His husband, Blondie, comes back into the room and he asks him why he would need to wear a condom to the gym. And Brunette responds that he because he's probably screwing that trainer of his. Uh, Blondie, husband, tells him that he's that he is screwing his trainer and that his trainer is a power bottom and that he loves it. Brunette husband reminds him about their don't ask, don't tell agreement, and he asks a blonde gym going husband if his admission was intended to hurt him, and he tells him that being with him has made him practically bulletproof. Um, and then um, Brunette kind of disregards the conversation and asks blonde blonde has husband if he has picked out a costume yet since they're they will be having a halloween party in three days and blondie gets angry and starts throwing the decoration screaming about how it is all bullshit he tells his husband that he does not give a shit about carving pumpkins and how he wants love and passion and a relationship with a man and not martha stewart same though <laughs> The brunette husband screams, then leave. And he's like, oh, we can't because all of our money is tied to this house that, we're su- that we were supposed to flip, but now the economy is in the shitter. Does that sound familiar? And he asks uh, his husband if he thinks he likes carving pumpkins and getting it all under his nails, but that at least he's trying to make their house warm and inviting and spectacular so that maybe during their Halloween party, they can find a potential buyer and get it off their hands. And he basically tells his husband to man the fuck up and just to pretend that everything is great till they sell the house and then they could both go their separate ways. Blonde, blonde husband states that he can't believe that that is what they have become. And he's like, hello, queens. <laughs> I've seen this show so many times that I don't think I'd have ever caught that. He's like, he calls themselves hello, queens. And he's like arguing about pumpkins. And before he leaves, he says that they were going to have a baby and have a, li- a great life together. And now they've become that. Cut to brunette husband setting up for the party and he's just setting up uh he's just upset because the color scheme of the of the apples that he picked for the bob the apple bob game uh don't match and then he sits down looking defeated but when he looks up he notices a man wearing the latex as an M suit brunette starts to chuckle and he comments that it's funny and that it's very scary and sexy and the man with the suit just stares at him and brunette is like he apologizes for making him mad earlier and how it's his slow sex drive due to stress uh but then the man in the suit goes over to him and brunette man thinks that they're going to like embrace but the latex suit man pushes him against the wall and then he tosses him around uh 
for a while before he puts his face under water in the tub that he had set up for the Bob, the Apple Bob game, and then he breaks his neck. Right as this happens, a blonde has husband walks in dressed as a cost, uh, dressed as a cowboy, and then he encounters latex suit man, and then the credits run. So back in present day, and Vivian is going off on Marcy, the realtor, since only one person has seen the house in two weeks and how that one person did not even stay for the whole tour. Yeah, because she was a fucking ghost, Vivian. <laughs> ben tells Marcy that she needs to do something about it, and Marcy tells, tells him not to be so hard on her since the house is the one with the image issues, and she, she suggests that they get a fluffer. Marcy explains that they need to hire some fluffers because uh, and and they are basically people that come and give some style to the place. Vivian is obviously hurt by this remark and she's like, we have style. But Marcy explains that everyone thinks they have style and everyone thinks they're funny and they usually aren't. Ouch. Also, I might not have style, but at least I am funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> Marcy just pushes um, the fluffers to make, she, she just, she's like, oh, if you get a fluffer, that'll make your house look like a magazine spread. And since it is Halloween season, that they should just decorate to the theme. Marcy turns to, to them, to Ben, and says, I heard you got egged last night. And then we see a scene of the twin boys that died in Murder House in the first episode, egging the house, and Ben comes outside and yells at them, and they just scream, happy Halloween, asshole. So we're back with uh, present day, like to that when Marcy's there and Ben asks Vivian why she told her that. And Vivian tells him that she agrees with Marcy about the image pro problem and how they're in the fucking murder house tour, for God's sake. And she wants to know. Uh, so Vivian asks Marcy if she knows any fluffers. Marcy's like, oh, I've got some English lady, but she's super expensive. And I also have a gay fellow. And Ben, ben immediately says, let's go with the gay guy. And Marcy's like, right away. Cut to Constance. Uh, so Constance's little plaything, Boo, uh, I believe his name is Travis, reading Addie a story about the history of Halloween. And he explains that Halloween is a Celtic tradition that started to commemorate the end of the Harvest Festival and how it was celebrated to ward out um, their fears and that it was celebrated on October 31st because it was said that the boundary between the living and the dead disappeared and the dead could walk among the living. And that is why the people dressed up to scare away the ghost. Addie tells Travis that she would never want to be a ghost and how it is so sad. And he asks her what she's going to dress up this year and Addie whispers in his ear and she begins to giggle. And he's like, oh, are you blushing, Addie? And uh, he's like, I think it'll be a hell of a costume. Constance like comes in and sees this interaction and she comes in asking if she told them that they could eat all of her chocolate chips and how she was going to make cookies with them later and that now someone is going to have to grab some from the store. Travis volunteers and Constance gives him a $50 bill and he's like, oh, I'm going to use the change to fill up my bike. And then he like embraces her and gives her a kiss. And then Travis whispers bye to Addie as he leaves. As soon as he leaves, Constance asks Addie what she thinks she's doing and how she knows how to read, and that she just likes mooning over Travis, and she asks Addie if she remembers what happened to the last one. Addie reassures Constance that it's not like that, and Constance says, one minute, one minute he's reading, and the next his hand is down your pants, and Addie responds that he smells better than the last one. Constance turns around and asks her what she said, and she's like, listen to me, because... 
uh, she's like, because I've given every inch of my life for the last 30 something years uh, and how and she's like, I would kill for you. I would die for you, but that I will not share the affections of the man that I choose to bring into the house with any other woman. And she's like, do you understand? Addie just looks down and doesn't respond. And then Constance wants to know what she told him she wanted to dress up as. And uh, she's like, oh, are you and your boyfriend keeping secrets now? Addie takes a cutout from a magazine that she had been uh, hiding. And she tells her mom that she wants to dress up as her. And it's a picture of a model. She's like, I want to dress up as a pretty girl. Constance tells her that she can go as Snoopy again this year. And Addie just tells her that she does not want to go as Snoopy this year. Constance threatens that she will go as Snoopy or not at all and that there will be no more reading and she takes the book and she also tells Addie that once Travis gets back to send him upstairs. Constance is about to walk out and she and she yells um, and Addie's like the dead can walk freely on Halloween and Constance stops on her tracks and she turns to look at Addie and she says we've always known that. Cut to a doorbell ringing at the murder house and Ben opens the door and it's Laurie Harvey and he just says trick or treat and he's carrying like those like a uh, pumpkin like shaped like trick or treat bags. Ben comes outside and closes the door behind him and he wants to know what he's doing there and Laurie explains that Halloween is the only time he can really be himself and he tells Ben to just pop in the thousand dollars that he owes him into his pumpkin and that nobody will be the wiser. Ben pushes him and tells him to get off his property and Laurie wants to know if he will call the cops and Ben threatens that he might since he since he did not do anything wrong. And Laurie's like, well, that gazebo in your backyard did go up pretty quickly. I have to wonder if you got the proper permits. Maybe someone should call the city and have an inspector check it out. Ben tells him that the gazebo went up because of him. But Laurie tells him that what is inside the gazebo is all Ben's doing and how it is not his baby in there. And he's like, how it, uh, he's like, oh, if Vivian finds out, then his family is over. And to just give him the $1,000. Ben grabs the trick-or-treat pumpkin back and he kicks it across his yard. And he's like, get off this property. And he's like, I have a patient. And Larry tells him that he has, that he has patience, but that even he has a limit. So I like that, that uh, play on words. Like, oh, I have to go, go to the patient. I have patience, but not that much. <laughs> Ben goes back inside his house and we see that his patient is Tate and Ben tells him that they need to clarify a few things. Uh, first, that he never showed up and never even bothered to cancel with the other psychiatrist that he recommended for him. It, Tate tells him that he only wants to see Ben and Ben explains that they've already discussed why that can't work. And Ben says, which brings me to my next question. We're very grateful for help. You helped my family during the home invasion, but I need you to explain here and now what you were, do what, what you were doing here in the time of the break-in. Tay tells Ben that he likes to hang out outside the house and how he was throwing pebbles at Violet's window, but that Violet blew him off. Blew him off. And then he noticed that the door was unlocked and that he went inside. And he's like, I know that's not cool. Ben is like, and that is why I can't treat you. It's inappropriate for everyone involved. Tate starts getting emotional and he tells Ben that he really needs his help and how he doesn't want to be like this and how he wants to be a good person and that he knows that he can help him because he's the only one he trusts. 
Ben responds that he can't treat Tate in his house, and Tate begins to cry, and Ben looks at his calendar and tells him that he has an opening and that they can meet somewhere outside of the house, but that he has to promise, and Tate cuts him off, and he's like, I promise that I will do better, and I'll promise that I'll stop acting weird. Cut to a security guard explaining to uh exp explaining a security system to vivian and he shows her that there will be cameras and sensors and that she even has a panic button so if there's a bump in the night she, she just needs to hit the panic panic button and he will be on his way and how uh given what she has gone through lately that he's expecting some false alarms with the panic button but that she should not be shy and the security guy is hot as fuck and he's very much flirting with vivian and vivian is mentioning how the alarm system system that the place uh has is is what 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 did i put here in the place is pretty old i think and the security guy says that if someone cut their phone lines that they would be in big trouble then we see that moira is carving pumpkins in the dining room and vivian walks in and she asks if the realtor brought the pumpkins and Moira thinks about it for a bit and then she says yes and she's like oh I like to carve pumpkins and she also takes the time to ask Vivian if, if it's okay if she can have Halloween off because she would like to go visit her mother. Vivian is like of course and then Moira finishes carving a pumpkin and Vivian tells her how she will put it outside. Then we see that there are two men outside and they're talking shit about the roses in the garden and then Vivian approaches them and it's like hi and they turn around uh, and when they turn around we can see that it's the previous owners from the beginning of the episode uh the brunette tells Vivian that he loves the house and had house how it has how it has so much potential and Vivian asks if they were uh, Marcy's fluffers uh the brunette introduces himself as Ch Chad Warwick and he introduces the blondie as his ball and chain, Patrick. Uh, so finally, we have some names. And I can stop calling them by the color of their hair. So Vivian goes ahead and welcomes them inside the house. And then we see Chad and Patrick carving pumpkins alongside Ben and Vivian. And Ben is excited to do this. And he mentions how he never got to do it as a child. And Chad is being super nosy. And he's like, why? But Ben brush brushes the question aside. Vivian tells them that she thinks it's crazy that they do that for a living, but then she rephrases and mentions how it's so important what they do because style is everything. Chad agrees that it is, then Patrick chuckles, and Chad gives him a nasty glare. Chad gets up and mentions how he's happy to be helping the Harmons have the best Halloween ever, and he's like, I love Halloween, and so does Patrick since all the twins are out in revealing outfits exposing their six-packs. Chad says, isn't that right, Pat? And then he starts mentioning different bars, the Abbey, the O-Bar, Rage. And I think the Abbey is where my friend Carla got roofied. <laughs> so if you're in L.A. and you're <laughs> you're out in, in these bars, be careful. Chad tells um, the Harmons that that is where Patrick went last year instead of helping him with the trick-or-treaters. Patrick tells them, tells him that uh, she's like, oh, have another drink, dear. And he turns to Vivian and Ben and tells them how crafting brings out Chad's inner George and Martha. Vivian changes the subject and asks them if they have any other suggestions to make them to make them sell the house faster. And Chad automatically says how the gazebo is wrong and that they need to get rid of it. Vivian tells them that they just added it to the house, and Chad challenge challengingly asks. Did you put that gazebo in yourself, Ben? 
Ben tells them that he did, and Chad is like, well, let's get through Halloween night, and then we can tear it open and put in, like, an organic garden or something. Then Ben cuts himself with the carving knife, obviously, because he's nervous, and Patrick goes towards him and grabs his hand and mentions how he will need stitches. And Chad stares at them from the other side of the kitchen, and Chad mentions how Patrick is an EMT. Vivian is like, oh, I thought Pat was a fluffer. And Chad tells Vivian that she's hilarious. And then he makes a backhanded compliment about her hair color being pretty. And he's like, I could barely see your roots. And Vivian doubles down and is like, oh, it's my natural hair color. Then Patrick asks Ben where his first aid kit is at. And Ben tells him that it's upstairs. And then it cuts to both of them upstairs. And Ben mentions how uh, his stitching him, like fixing him up, is a work of art. And then out of fucking nowhere... Patrick grabs Ben's dick, like, full-on hand on the bulge. <laughs> that came out of fucking left field. <laughs> ben asks him what he's doing, and Patrick tries to tell uh, him that he knows both of them are the same, and how Ben plays the role of the dutiful husband, but that he likes having his cock sucked often and well. He's like, I know you like having your cock sucked often and well, and that he can do that for him in four minutes tops and how no one will know. <laughs> ben tells this guy that he's not gay and Patrick re replies, neither was I until I got head from a guy. Patrick is about to get down on his knees, but Ben stops him and tells him no. And then Patrick is ashamed and he apologizes and tells him that it's been a long time for him. And he asks Ben not to tell Chad because it has been a long, he's like, yeah, he just asked him not to tell uh, Chad. Back with Vivian and Chad and they're crafting and Chad mentions that Ben seems very, and Vivian like tries to finish the, the sentence. She's, she's like handsome, but Chad replies, no, nervous. And he's like how it's just a feeling he gets and that Ben has this sort of darkness around him. Vivian changes the subject and brings up how him and Patrick seem to be having problems. And Chad mentions that the problem is how Pat can't keep his dick in his pants. Vivian asks if, if he caught him cheating and she wants to know how. And Chad shares that it was easy. That with cell phone records, because that that with cell phone records, even if you delete a text, you can't erase a bill. Uh, where are my toxicas at? <laughs> Don't go through your man's phone anymore. Go through his fucking cell phone records. You probably pay his bill, so what's up? That's just <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't be toxicas. Don't be toxicas. So Vivian thinks about it for a second, and then Chad tells her to hand over the bat she was crafting because it's terrible. <laughs> then we see Violet in her room fixing her hair, and she hears a noise under her bed. And when she looks under there, she's startled by Addie, who yells out, "Trick or treat!" Addie tells Violet that she wants to be a pretty girl for Halloween, a pretty girl like Violet, and she has Violet to help her. And then it cuts to Violet doing Addie's makeup, and Violet tells her how she's not really good at makeup, but Addie doesn't care. She's happy to have Violet helping her and making her a pretty girl. Violet wants to know how old Addie is, and Addie tells her that a lady never reveals her age. And she, um, she, she's like, oh, is Tate your boyfriend? Violet is confused and she asks if Addie knows Tate and Addie tells Violet that she talks to Tate when he comes to her house for his head shrinking lessons uh, with her dad and how she she's like, I can tell that Tate likes you uh, and that Tate thinks you're a very pretty girl. Addie asks Violet if she's a virgin and Violet says yes and she's like, aren't you? And Addie responds, hell no. We love a sex positive queen. <laughs> we love Addie. 
Violet tells her that she can't keep breaking into the house and Addie explains that she likes it there and how all of her friends are there. Addie looks at herself in the mirror and she yells out that she looks beautiful and and uh, and her and Violet have like a sweet moment. Then it cuts to Constance chasing after Addie and she wants to know who did that to her face and Addie tells her that it was Violet and Constance threatens that Violet has another cupcake coming her way. Constance yells at Addie to go watch walk to go wash that smut off her off of her face and Addie yells that she won't and that she just wants to be a pretty girl. Constance yells out the most heartbreaking thing and she's like, "Well, you're not a pretty girl and you know it." But Addie yells back that she wants to be. Constance starts ranting about how everyone, even Addie's father, told her to put her on a home, but how she couldn't do that to her. Addie yells out that she does not want to be Snoopy again and how she wants to be a pretty girl for Halloween. And Constance asks if she knows what people think when they walk down the street. Constance is like, people feel lucky when they see you and how they think I'm a hero, as if it's as if I had some some sort of choice on the matter. Addie runs away crying and Constance tries to stop her, but but she just lets her go to her room. Then we see Violet going down to the basement and she yells out uh, for Tate and she's like, oh, we had agreed to meet at midnight. And she's like, come out, come out wherever you are. And she turns around and the man with the latest suit suit is behind her and he grabs her and puts his hand over her mouth and as she tries to she tries to scream but then tate starts to laugh as he takes off the mask and violet calls him an asshole tate wants to know if she was scared and she says no and violet asks where he got the suit and she's like my dad threw it out and tate just responds finders keepers before kissing her and he's like did i really not scare you and she's like no and then tate is like well i bet i can we then see him turning on some candles and he's setting up a Ouija board and he explains that Charles is going to answer all of their questions and he's like, oh, Charles used to live here and Violet wants to know if Charles will tell them what happened to those assholes that tried to kill them during the home invasion and uh, Violet asks, like, what did you do to those people and Tate lets her know that he did not do anything and how he had some help. Violet goes over and sits in front of Tate and she wants to know the truth about the basement and Tate says that what he's about to tell her might scare her to death and Violet is like I can take it. Tate gives Violet the background on who Charles was which we already know and and so basically it's all exposition. Charles built the house he was a surgeon to the stars but he was also a drug addict and how his wife was not going to let that get in the way of the lifestyle she wanted. So they started a little side business. And that all the girls that came to get an abortion kept their secret. But then one girl could not keep that secret to herself. And she told her boyfriend. We then see a flashback of the phone ringing. And Nora answers the phone. And the person on the other line just says, an eye for an eye. Nora wants to know who that person is. And they respond, a tooth for a tooth. Nora tells him that she won't tolerate this nonsense any longer, and he hangs up on her. Nora is about to tell Charles, she's like, I just had the most peculiar conversation, and then it dawns on her. And she runs out to her baby's room, and he is not there, and we see that a ladder is propped up against the window. Back with Tate and Violet, and Tate tells Violet how the boyfriend wanted revenge, so he kidnapped Charles and, and Nora's baby. 
and how they waited for the ransom demand to come, but that it never did. And then there's a, we're back with Charles and Nora, and there's a knock on the door, and it's two cops, and they have an evidence bag, and Charles opens it and sees that his baby is in different jars. So, like, they return his baby's body parts in different jars. Nora comes up to the door, and she's approaching the cops, but then one of the cops steps in front of her, and she's like, you should not see that. So we hear Tate's voice as we see Charles working on his basement. So Tate is like driven insane by grief. The doctor used all his experience and surgical skills to try to cheat death. And then we see Nora coming down to the basement carrying like some baby clothes. And she tells Charles that she wants to bury her son in that. And then Nora sees what Char that Charles is sewing a hand into something else. And Nora starts wailing. What have you done to our baby? Tate explains that what Dr. Charles created was ungodly and monstrous, and monstrous. And even after their tragic end, the thing that he created remained down in the basement till this date. Violet is like, oh my God. And she's like, I don't believe a word that comes out of your mouth. And she's like, forget that I asked about the basement. She also tells him that she's tired of hanging out in that dark and dank place and that she wants to know why they can't go, go somewhere on a real date. Tate thinks about it for a little bit, and he's like, I'll take you on a real day tomorrow night. And then they hear the footsteps upstairs, and Tate tells her that her, uh, her father agreed to see him again, but that he's not supposed to be inside the house. Violet guides him out and says that she will be his lookout, and as they go up the stairs, the candles that Tate had turned on turn off by themselves. It's Halloween, and Ben is sitting in the park, uh, during the daytime, and he lights himself a cigarette, and then we see Tate approach him with two coffees. Ben uh, looks over and sees a small girl in the park wearing a scary costume, and Tate asks if that little girl reminds him of Violet. And then we get a, a flashback of baby Violet dressed up as Count Dracula, uh, and then Ben tells Tate that Violet always had to be something scary, and he calls her his fierce little girl, just like her mom smart and beautiful no need to be like anyone else ben explains to tate that he was a troubled kid too that he was kind of like tate and that he didn't hold out too much for too much hope for himself so when he uh so when he became a doctor it came as a total shock to everyone and to even himself that and that it, he was surprised that somehow he was giving this amazing gift of a family Ben is crying at this point, and Tate reaches over to grab his hand, and then he tells Ben that it's going to be okay, and Ben apologizes to Tate for breaking down in front of him. Cut to Constance walking into Addie's room, and Addie's giving her the cold shoulder. Constance asks her where her costume is, and Addie's like, I don't want to go trick-or-treating this year. I'm too old. Constance is like, it's Halloween. Everyone gets a chance to be someone else, and she's like, didn't you say you wanted to be a pretty girl? Constance takes out this mask of a pretty girl from the back uh, that she's carrying, and Addie is super excited about the mask, and then Constance is super sweet to her and gives her a hug, and she's like, I, I want to see a smile on your face. Cut to Ben dressed up as Count Dracula, and he asks Vivian where his thanks are, and she just hands them to him, and he says, thanks a lot, <laughs> and begins to laugh at his own dad joke, and Vivian is looking at him seriously, and she asks, how's Hayden? Ben is like, what? And Vivian's like, I told you that if you lie to me one more time that we're done. And then Vivian tells him that she can't do it. 
and Ben calls out to her and Vivian explains that she looked through the phone bills and how Hayden's number appeared more than 20 times. Vivian wants to know if Ben saw Hayden in Boston and he lies and says no and and he's like, uh, Hayden keeps calling and harassing me. And I even threatened her by saying that if she keeps calling me, I will have to tell the police. And Ben assures Vivian that she won't be calling back. And Vivian tells uh, him that she might because she left her a message. And Ben tells her that she should not expect the callback since he was pretty forceful last time they talked. Vivian is trying to believe him. And then he apologizes for not telling her, but that he did not want to add any more stress to her life. And he explains that the thing with Hayden is over. And right as he says those words, literally right as he says, the thing with Hayden is over. Vivian receives a call and it's fucking Hayden calling her back. Uh, how is that if she's dead and buried under the house? Well, mm. and so Vivian sees this and then she's like, I'll just call her back later. And she just tosses her phone in the bed. Uh, we see Shad is setting up the Halloween decoration uh, as Vivian goes down the stairs. And he, he comments on how bad her witch costume is. And he's like, did you get that shit at Rite Aid or something? And then he sees Ben dressed as Count Dracula. And he sarcastically says, oh, then you add some class to your costume idea. Ben is confused and Vivian tells Ben that Chad does not like their costumes and Chad is like there's nothing we can do about that now because the door will be ringing any second and that they still need to decorate the bobbing station the infamous bobbing station <laughs> Chad goes over to the bobbing station and he gets angry when he realizes that Ben got the wrong apples and Ben tries to explain that they did not have the apples he wanted at the store Chad is like, well, then go to the fucking farmer's market or go find them some other some other place. And he just yells out that they're not putting any, any effort into selling their house. And Bimian is like, I think you're overreacting. And Chad yells, because I'm the only one who actually gives a shit. And he tells them that they should just leave. Bimian is like, are you asking, telling us to leave our own house? And Chad responds that it is not their house, that they know it, that everyone knows it, that even the house knows it, and that they just don't deserve it. And Vivian yells at them to leave and to get out of her house. Chad stands his ground and he's like, we're not going to leave. And Vivian starts going apeshit and throwing all of the decorations like that they had just put up like around the room and like, like pulling them down and screaming at them to get out over and over again. Chad and Patrick notice the man with the S&M latex suit staring at them from outside the house, and that is what actually gets them to leave. Once they leave, Ben asks Vivian if she's okay, and Vivian responds that she does not believe him, that he tells her uh, his side of things, that there, there's this little glimmer in his eye, a little lie, a little darkness, and that she does not want to live with that suspicion anymore, so she asks him to go too. Then Vivian grabs her stomach, and she's, she's like is in pain, and Ben asks her what's wrong, and Vivian's like, it feels like the baby is kicking, and Ben is like, that's in, that's impossible since the baby is only eight weeks old. Violet comes downstairs because of the commotion and asks what's wrong. And Ben rushes Vivian out of the house to take her to the hospital. And he tells Violet to lock herself in the house and not to open the door for anybody. And Violet is like, it's Halloween. <laughs> Cut to Violet in her room and she's listening to music, music and reading like a comic at the same time, which seems psychotic to me. And she just increases the volume of her music. But by doing this, she can hear that Addie with her costume is at her door ringing the doorbell and um, like 
Violet isn't hearing the doorbell and some cool looking girls dressed like sluts come up to the door and grab the candy from the plate. And one of them is like, it says to take one. Can't you read? Addie explains that she's dressed like a pretty girl and she how she wants Ad, um, Violet to see her. And then one of the girls just says under her breath, short bus. And then the other hosts laugh before they walk away. Addie follows after them and asks them to wait for her. And she's like running after them, crossing the street. And then Addie gets run over by a car that doesn't fucking stop. So Addie is just, Addie's body is just crawled across, across the pavement. And one of the girls yells out to call 911. Uh, back in the ER, Violet is explaining that she stopped feeling the kicks like 30 minutes ago when she left the house, but that she still feels really sick, sick and weak. The doctor assures her that it's probably not kicks if the baby is eight or like that if the fetus is only eight weeks old. And Vivian explains that she, uh, that she knows that and that is why she's concerned and she thinks that there's something wrong. The doctor does an ultrasound and asks them if they're sure about the timeline and they stick to the eight weeks. And then the doctor says that the baby looks a lot bigger than that. The doctor is staring at the screen and all of a sudden the doctor faints cut to outside the murder house and constant goes to check out the commotion because they're like ambulances and police cars and then she notices Addie's body on the ground and she begins to freak out and scream my baby my baby and she wants to know what happened and the police explains that it was a hit and run Constance asks if she's dying and the paramedics tell her that they're doing everything that they can to stabilize her and Constance tells them that she needs to get her to the lawn of murder house and obviously the paramedics are confused by this and Constance tells them that they're not going to help to get out of her damn way. Constance starts trying to get Addie to the Harmon's lawn but she's not able to and then she like stops and notices that Addie is dead and she lets out the most horrible scream. Cut to Moira and she's like in this old people home and she goes over to this room where an old lady is in a ventilator and she takes the old woman's house hands and she says, oh, mother, you always had the most beautiful hands. And then she asks, what have they done to you? Moira says to herself, this is my fault. I wasn't there for you. I'm so sorry. Moira then makes the executive decision to remove her mother's ventilator from her mouth and she sits by her as she flatlines. Flat, flat Mora sits down in her mother's bed, and then we see her mother's ghost appear behind her, and she tells Mora to go with her. Mora starts crying, and she just says that she wants to, but that she can't, and she begins to sob, and then she hugs her mother's body. Back in the Harmon house, the doorbell is ringing, and this time Miss Violet uh, does hear it. Uh, a little too too late, Miss Violet. Now Addie's fucking dead. <laughs> And she goes down and she sees through the people that it's Larry Harvey and he's pounding at the door, yelling out for Ben, asking for his $1,000. Violet calls Ben and tells him what's going on. And she's like, should I call the police? And obviously Ben is fucking scared of Larry talking. So he's like, oh, no, just uh, we'll be there right there. Just keep the door locked. Larry keeps knocking and ringing the doorbell. And he says that he knows someone is inside. And he's like, he asks if it's his daughter, like Ben's daughter. And as Violet is paralyzed by fear, staring at the door, she doesn't notice that the man with the latex suit is standing right behind her, just staring at her. Cut to Ben and Vivian rushing into the house, and the alarm is going off, and they're yelling out for Violet, but she's not there. And Ben tells Vivian to call Violet's cell phone, and then there's a knock at the door, and Ben opens the door, and it's 
fucking Hayden. And Ben just closes the door on her. End of episode. All right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segment, That Character Fucked Up. Starting with um, Chad. Chad, Mr. Brunette, sweetie, darling. If a man shows up in an S&M latex suit, don't just assume that it's your husband trying to seduce you after your fight. And honestly, this goes also towards Vivian, like Vivian in the first episode. Miss Vivian, who were you having sex with? Was it Ben? Are you sure? Are you entirely sure, 100% sure that you were having sex with your husband in a latex suit? I don't know. Think about it. Think about it. Am I giving a little spoiler alert? Maybe. Do I care? No. <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> Why am I being mean to y'all? I'm so sorry, fucked up fandom. Um, I take it back. I don't want to be mean to you. It's not a spoiler alert. Or is it? Dun dun dun. <laughs> Um, Constance, Constance, uh, I was trying to make a Southern accent because Constance is Southern. Let me, th let me try. Let me try. Don't tell your, <laughs> don't tell your daughter that she isn't pretty. That was good, huh? <laughs> again, again, again. Don't tell your daughter that she isn't pretty, pretty. Okay, no, but honestly, don't tell your daughter. Some people are just not meant to be parents. And I feel like Constance was one of those people. And she just kept trying over and over and over again. And she kept having children. And she kept fucking them up. Well, not, not, to, not like... What I'm trying to say is... Constance should have never been a mother. Because she was a horrible mother. Even though she says she loves all her children you yelling at your daughter with down syndrome that she's not beautiful and that she never will be and that people look at her in the streets and feel bad for her what the fuck is wrong with you constance like i'm sorry you were a beauty queen and then you started to have children and then your life went to the gutter but i mean you could have you could have had an abortion and and you know you could have been a star i just <laughs> that was me whispering into my mic just in case y'all did not get that um oh yeah so this one's for shad again shad 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 you ha hello queen um bro you're literally dead you're literally a ghost in the house that you used to own and you still go off on the new owners and get upset because they didn't pick the apples that you wanted Sir, you're having marital issues. Don't take it out on the Harmons. On this this one time, I was on the Harmon side, and they were like, "What, what the fuck is going on with this guy that came to our house and is supposed to help us sell the house, and then he's treating us like shit? Like you, you were seriously being such a hallow queen, and they didn't deserve that. They welcomed they welcomed you into their house. Yes, Patrick did try to hook up with with Ben Harmon, but I mean, 
that seems like a your relationship problems again at the end of the day a relationship is between two people if one of them doesn't choose to respect the other person in the relationship that's a them problem and not that's not the other like third party's problem uh that is my opinion and my opinion only thank you very much thank you <laughs> but yeah why did like I think he's just upset at Patrick and he's taking off all that rage, all that ghost rage on Vivian. But I love how Vivian like came back two times over and she's like, oh, bet you think you're going to be crazy. Wait till I go off on you. And she went crazy. She's a crazy, crazy girl. <laughs> uh, this one's for Ben. Ben, if a man and this man is aka Laurie Harvey, if a man helps you bury the body of your ex-mistress, which uh, consequentially is your ex-mistress is also covering, like carrying, or your dead ex-mistress is carrying your child. Sir, that's double murder <laughs> that's double murder i was like he helped you uh he helped you, helped you uh cover a murder but actually it's a double murder because i guess well it depends who we ask if we ask the conservatives that's a double murder if we ask <laughs> the liberals that's only one murder no but in the in the legal system i think there's a thing like you get more years added to your sentence if you kill a pregnant woman i think i think so i think so and i'm gonna stand by that a hundred percent i should have been a lawyer like look at me just like solving the world's issues right now one podcast episode at a time i don't know where the fuck i'm going with this please bear with me please don't leave please 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 stay <laughs> no but for real it's like did you just expect laurie harvey to leave you alone after he helped you bury Hayden's body and just go off on his merry way. Sir, Ben, you should have literally killed him right there and then. Like, literally, like, just get rid of him. You, Hayden's dead. You kill Larry Harvey. And then you just bury them out. And while you're there and trying to bury them, help my girl Mora out and get her bones out of there so she could cross over to the other side like it wasn't that hard and now you went and fucked up everything and then the next one again fuck up king it goes to ben of course ben fucked up by telling violet not to open the door for anyone on halloween because because of this uh, Violet went up to her room and was uh, reading and listening to music at the same time, which is psychotic, but that's besides the point irrelevant. And she was not able to hear Addie knocking at the door. And then Addie went off and ran after those uh, quote-unquote pretty girls, aka whores. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for horse rights, but like they were really mean to Addie, and I do not agree with that. And then Addie went running after them, and then she died. So at the end of the day, Addie's, I'm going to blame Addie's death, death on Ben Harmon. Honestly, I think I'm just going to start blaming everything on Ben Harmon because I think that everything is his fault. Yes, I think we've gone over this. If he had not, if he had kept his dick in his pants 
and not hooked up with one of his students even though in college i think like one of my goals was to hook up with a professor but i never had any hot professors <laughs> i only had ugly professors uh but yeah if he had kept his dick in his pen and not hooked up with one of his students he could have stayed uh in boston and he would have never come to la and he would have never bought murder fucking house and then life would have just been fine and dandy fine and fucking dandy but no he had to go stick his dicks where it did not belong so at the end of the day ben's fault everything ben's fault and this is not part of that character fucked up but this is a red flag alert uh violet sweetie honey bun if he only wants to meet up with you in the basement of your house run get out of there that's a red like that's not even a red flag like that's like a black flag like that's the worst of the worst how is this man saying that you know like only seeing you in the basement of your house of your house <laughs> violet you should have known from that point it it wasn't there it Tate wasn't it <laughs> but you know I regress. I digress. Digress? Regress. Digress. I think it's digress. I don't know. Who let me have a podcast? Oh, wait. It was me. <laughs> and I guess the Savage of the Week award. I'm, I'm going to give it to Laurie Harvey. Like, showing up to the Harmons' house with a fucking pumpkin. Like, a trick-or-treat bag. And be like, hey, just just trick-or-treat. Like, slip those little $1,000 that you owe me. Ben, just give him those. No, just kidding. I was going to be like, just give him those $1,000. But no, because what I learned, if someone is blackmailing you and you give in and give them the money that they want, you're in there for life. Like, they're just going to keep back and going and, like, bothering you till you keep on giving them all your money because they know you're going to do it if they keep bothering you and pressuring you. So I'm guessing it's good that he didn't give him any money because at the end of the day, he was just going to come back and ask for, like, double that. Oh, and last last character fuck-up that I forgot to mention. Ben, again, Ben, if you agree to meet with your client at a park, don't cry in front of your mentally ill client. Like, isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Aren't they supposed to be listening to you? Aren't you the professional? Well, I guess you're not so professional if you're out here fucking your fucking students. But I digress. I finally used it correctly. <laughs> but all right, we have gotten to the end of this episode. Whoop, whoop. Episode four of american horror story murder house halloween part one it's so funny that you know halloween just passed i should have timed it better i should have timed it better and released this episode on halloween but it's a one woman show up in up in this bitch so i couldn't whatever it is what it is um yeah and it left off on like a cliffhanger so next episode we're gonna get a lot of fun information can't fucking wait but yeah thank you so much for listening y'all the best you're the coolest you're the sexiest um i appreciate y'all bffs fucked up fandom for life what else oh yeah 
If you like what you're hearing, I'm not me putting on my sexy voice. If you like what you're hearing, go give the podcast a five-star review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Did that convince you? That convinced you, huh? <laughs> Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, where that show F me up, F is spelled E-F-F-E-D. On Twitter, where that, D-A-T, show fuck me up, fuck this spelled without the U, so F-C-K-E-D. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.